0: To the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're starting today title, Let's Build This. Um, and the whole idea behind this series is what does the future look like for City View? What, what does God have for us? What is God going to do? What, what is that next step? Are we in the movie theater forever, Jeremiah? Is this Where you want to be? Are you wanting to be in this theater forever? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I feel like our time here is probably coming to an end soon. Not because we're being made to, but because I feel like God's saying, "Hey, you know what? You've been faithful. You've been here, but I've got something new. I've got something bigger. What that looks like, I don't know. Sort of like when you ever play with Legos, you don't really know. Ezra, my son, helped me build this today. He's like, "Daddy, what are we gonna build?" And let go. Let's just build something. Let's just see. And, and I feel like that's sort of what God's doing right now. And I had a school teacher ask me last service about these. She said, where did you get these things? They're actually really cool. I might buy them and build a whole house out of them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they are really neat, big Legos that I'll give to our children's ministry when we are done. But have you ever had a dream of doing something bigger than yourself? It could be starting a business. Maybe you've had that dream of starting a business. You're like, how in the world am I gonna do this? What does this look like? How how do do I what's the first step? Maybe it's redoing your backyard. I want to remodel this. I want to redo this. Maybe it's maybe it's starting a family. Maybe it's remodeling your kitchen. Maybe it's as simple as cleaning your bedroom. We have a room in our house called our den. And it's a room that we close the door to. Um, you might, like, If somebody were to go in that room, you might get lost. We may never find you again. It's that kind of room I don't know if you have a room like that. But you look in that room, my wife and I go, Where do we start? And we had a dream. We have a dream that one day that room will be a clean room, that will be an organized room, that will be a room of beauty. We have a dream. Have you ever had a dream? A dream of doing something bigger than yourself? Maybe some of you, you had a dream at some point when you were young you had some point now and you gave up on that dream hopefully it wasn't cleaning your room but you had this dream and at some point you gave up you know I think there are some dreams that God has put in our hearts that are bigger than we are that we can't see how it will even be remotely possible except if God doesn't see God gave me a dream In January of of 1997, God put on my heart to pastor a church. I was a senior in high school, I was at a winter camp and it was a night session, it was right after we had eaten hot dogs, which I found out later on that it was a seventh day Adventist camp and they don't eat meat. So I have no idea what I ate that night. (laughs) Hot dogs really not meat anyway, so how do you make a fake dog, fake food even more fake? I don't know, but that's what we did. And we ate that, but I remember sitting there in the seats with a whole bunch of other young people in this huge room. And this guy gets up on the stage, his name is Joey Barran, and he preached this sermon. And I'm sitting there with tons of my friends, probably thinking about the girl that I liked and the moment. She's not my wife, so exes don't have names. And then the guy said, there's somebody in here in this room right now, and God is calling you to pastor a church. God is calling you into ministry. And I'm sitting in this room, and God says, Jeremiah, that's you. I'm a senior in high school. And I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't, I don't know anything. I just know I'm a senior, and the only worry I have is I just got an F in my pre calculus class. And in my parents' home, if you get anything lower than a C, then you get grounded for the entire quarter. Nine weeks, I was grounded. So if you are a kid in here and your parents want those kind of grades out of you, just know I've been there. I've gotten every single grade in the alphabet of grades when it comes to school and I received the consequence of getting the ones that I shouldn't have gotten. And I remember my only worry in that moment before that guy spoke was I'm grounded for the next nine weeks and this retreat is the only time I get to see the girl that I like. And then the speaker speaks. And I knew in that moment, God said, Jeremiah, this is the call on your heart to pastor a church. I didn't know what that was going to look like, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. All I know is it took the next, well, that was 97, and I'm, the city didn't start till 2015. So was that, almost 20 years, 17 years, 18 years? 18 years of seeing God, okay, what does this even look like? Here's what it looked like. It looked like little steps of obedience each and every day. It looked like as me as a senior in high school, it looked like me serving in youth ministry for you for the dream that God has put on your heart. It's little steps of obedience. You might be starting a business. You might be, I want to run a business that looks like this someday. Well, are you even in the place where you know that business at all? I want to be an astronaut. Then are you doing anything with space? Do you even know about stars? No, I don't. Well, then study stars. My heart was to be a pastor, so what was my next step? I went to Bible college, but I did. And I came back from Bible college and I finished and, and I'm sitting there in my house going, God, where do you want me to serve? God, what do you want me to do? God, what's my next step? What does this look like? I get a call from a girl named Corey. Course says, hey Jeremiah, I, I remember when you were serving in the high school ministry, when you were in high school, and you were on the worship team, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm not, I can't play an instrument. I can sort of sing. I'm not amazing, but I can, I can hold a tune. Um, I'm no Justin Bieber, but um, one day, maybe, I'll grow up to be like him. And she goes, hey, I know you used to lead the worship in our high school ministry. Um, would you come and help me in junior high? And I told her, I said, you know what? Let me pray about it. So I hung up the phone. And I, I said, let me pray about it. And God goes, Jeremiah, you've been praying for an opportunity to serve since you finished Bible college. This is your opportunity. I'm like, junior high? Really? Junior high? Like, that's not, God, that, that's not pastoring a church. That's not next step. That's not a big deal. God says, it's a big deal to me. Will you take this next step of obedience? And so I did. I took that next step. And then each time throughout my life, God gave me different steps. And it was whether or not I was willing to take that next step or not. And then so finally, in... Where am I in my message? I'm getting ahead of myself. But what I realized that some steps in my life were more fun than others. Some were way more scary. But each step got me to where God wanted me to be. One is a step of obedience. So over the next few weeks, my heart's to take us through this book of Nehemiah and to really look at God, what is the next steps of city? you? What have you called us to do and where are we going? What's next for us? Lord, I thank you so much for today, God. I love that you are a God who does big things, Lord, that you are a God who has a plan and a purpose. And Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us, Lord. You put a dream in our hearts, Lord. It, it could be as simple as redoing a kitchen. I, well, I don't think that's simple, but it could be finishing school. It could be starting a family. It could be changing jobs. It could be a church. Lord, I don't know the dream you put on our hearts, Lord, but I pray, God, that we'd be faithful and obedient in the little things, Lord, that we might see what you have for us next. God, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, we thank you so much that we, are, we live in a, in a valley and in a city of so many churches. Lord, we ask your blessings upon them. God, I pray for my friend Caleb over at Desert Springs. Lord, I ask your blessings upon CCB this morning. Lord, I ask, God, that you would move at Gateway. Lord, that you would do great things at Valley Life. God, that you would speak to your people at Calvary. God, that you would break our hearts today for the city of Phoenix here in the city. In Jesus' name. If you would turn with me to Nehemiah chapter one, if you have a phone, if you don't have a Bible at all, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. So if you don't own one, we got them right outside for you. Um, or you could turn on your, your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can download our app and you can follow the passages right there from our app. Super easy and convenient for you. Or you can go to the YouVersion app. There's three little lines on the far right side. Click on that and you're going to find events. City View will be one of them. So we're starting this book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah, came and I asked them, concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity, and about Jerusalem. So before we get any more into Nehemiah, we've got to understand, where are we at and what's going on? Because there's a backstory to what happened. You see, the people of Israel in this moment, they're living in captivity in Jerusalem, in, not in Jerusalem, but they're living in captivity in Babylon and in the surrounding areas right now. And that's where we find Nehemiah, this guy. And the people of Israel have been there now for 70 years, and they've been in captivity. And the whole reason they're there is because of disobedience. I remember as a kid, you know, when as I shared with you at the beginning, when I got that F in pre-cal and Spanish, I actually, I double F'd that, that semester. Um... Yeah, it's just being real, kids. Don't do that. And I got grounded. But I knew it was expected. You see, God had asked had told his people of Israel, He says, Hey, I want to bless you. I want to do great things through you. I want to do big things through you. I want to use you. He told his people in the book of Isaiah. I want to use you to be a light to the nations. I want to use you to bless the people on earth. I want to use you to change this world. I want to use you. But here's the thing. You've got to obey me. You see, I I want to bless my kids. But I can't bless my kids when they live in disobedience. I can't do that. I can't. And so God had told his people and given them a few things. Don't worship other gods. And what did they do? They worshipped this god called Molech. Molech was a god was, what they would do is they would heat up the arms of this god, this this big brass god. They would heat his arms up and then they would put living babies in the arms of this god in sacrifice. So can you imagine, we've got a, a dad right here. His name is Trevor. Trevor, stand up right now for me, would you? know you're relaxing and reclining in these super fancy chairs i'm going to promise you right now that wherever god has this go we're probably not going to have these fancier chairs unless you want to give you got to give dig deep dig deep right now i'm totally kidding well i'm not kidding so look at trevor right here trevor you love your daughter can you imagine loving some fake god more than your daughter And putting her into the arms of a false god, alive and hearing the screams of your child. I want you to understand what the people of Israel were doing in that moment. That's what they would do to their children. God said, do not worship other gods, but that's what they did. And not only that, thank you so much Trevor, because I think that's a real illustration of how evil their hearts became. I cannot even begin to imagine doing that to my worst enemy. Then God said, hey, I want to bless you, but here's one of the things, you know, the land that I'm giving you, you can't totally take every bit of nutrients out of that land. I want you to, to every seven years, to give each, to give a portion of that land rest. So if you can picture their land divided into squares like this, this was the idea, he would say, okay, this land is... Every seven years, I want you to divide that. So they're supposed to alternate. So that the, not, it's not like one year they have no land, they can't harvest anything. It was to alternate so that the land would continue to have good nutrients. They're supposed to just let it overgrow and all that. So it would continue to be fresh and good. But guess what? They got greedy. And they didn't obey. Now what happens when you don't obey? When you don't obey your boss? What happens at the end? If you don't do what your boss asks, you lose your job, right? You don't get a paycheck, right? But when you do what's right, what happens at the end of the week? You get a paycheck. (coughs) There's a consequence when you don't obey. So for the people of Israel, the consequence was, hey, now you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. So for 70 years, the people of Israel sat in captivity. And then we come to Nehemiah chapter 1. It says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, one of his actual brothers... And some men from Judah came and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived in the captivity and about Jerusalem. So what he's saying is there are some Jews that when Nebuchadnezzar came in and when he took the people of Israel captive, when he took them from their land that some hid and some went back into the city later on. So that's what he's talking about. That's what's going on. He says, and they said to me, because he goes, how's my city? How's home? How's a home I've never seen? How's the city? I can only heard. I've only heard stories about. How is this place that that I know is home yet I've never been there? You guys know that there are some people that. They know that there's a home. They know there's, there's a place, but they've never been there. And that home is that place with Jesus. They're trying so hard to find that peace. They're trying to, so hard to find that hope, but they can't find it. And so they know there's a home. They know there's a hope. They know there's a new life, but they don't know how to get there because you're, you might be the very vessel that helps them get to the place that they can call home. City View is a place where we want to help people belong in community, believe in Jesus, and become who God is calling them to be. That's the heart of City View. So Nehemiah says, how home? And they said, the remnant there in in the providence who survived the captivity are in great distress. The reproach and the walls of Jerusalem, are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. And when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's brother comes in town and his question is, how's home? a place I've never seen? That's where his heart was. He loves his people. He loves his city. And he loves his home. And he's overwhelmed when he hears this news of, of verse 3. And, and he says, how's home? He says, and his brother says, it's in great distress. And it's a reproach. And The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. In 2014, I was at this re- this, this conference in, in Atlanta and this guy named Andy Stanley was speaking and he said these two statements. He says, who are you and what breaks your heart? Who are you and what breaks your heart? You want to know what broke my heart? What broke my heart is knowing that I live in a city where a majority of the people do not know Jesus and don't realize Jesus loves them. That's what broke my heart. That's what broke my heart in, this, in, a, in a, uh, an arena of over 10,000 people. And this speaker is saying this. He says, Who are you and what breaks your heart? Who are you? He says it multiple times. Who are you and what breaks your heart? And in that moment, I'm surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. God says, Jeremiah, who are you and what breaks your heart? Because I'm calling you to go now. And in that moment, it was October 2014, that God said, Jeremiah, it's about to start. That dream that I put on your heart in nine, January 1997, thats about to happen. Be ready. Be ready. And I knew it was in that moment that it was time for me to get out and step out of the boat and go and do what God is calling me to do. You see, I see my city, thank you, I see my city of Phoenix, like Nehemiah sees the city of Jerusalem. He says it's in great distress. You see, I see the people and the families that are living in great distress in our city. People trying to fill that inner need with everything other than God. People trying to fill that need with with whether it's money or sex or drugs or alcohol or all these different things. They're trying to fill this need, but they're realizing, why don't I ever feel satisfied? They're in distress. I see this in our city where marriages are broken, families are broken. People are trying to fill this need, but they're in distress. I see that in my city. Did you know that if every church, so we, we look at it, if, if every church was full on Sunday morning, every seat was full, we still don't have enough churches in our valley for people to hear about Jesus. Did you know that? You're like, wait a minute, Jerome, But CCB has like nine thousand campuses. Yeah, they do. But if every single campus was full, we don't have enough churches. They actually have like ten. But what about all the other churches that have multiple campuses? And what about all the other... I drive by church, you drive down Union Hills, and there's like a church every single step down the road. It's mm-hmm. like, what if all the... Yeah, there's not enough. Because 90, it's like 90 or 95% of the people that live in Arizona and Phoenix do not call Jesus Lord. 5 million people, that 5 million, 95% of them don't know. What breaks your heart? That's what got me to start City View, realizing, you know what, there is a need for more churches. Because I live in a Broken city that is under distress. I live in a broken city that's under reproach. That word reproach means to be in a state of disgrace, of dishonor, of low stature, of to be taunted or shamed that the people around them were poking and making fun. That was the people of Israel and Jerusalem. They were living under this burden and this, this stress of being shamed. And how many you know people in your lives that are just living in this shame, living in this place of being taunted and they just have no hope? You see, we're told that the economy is up. We're told right now that unemployment is, is down. It's never been down more. We're told that right now, our, our, our the United States is great. But let me tell you, hope is not up yet. Hope isn't up. The economy may be up. Unemployment may be down. But hope is still not talked about. But you have it. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the hope that the world needs. It says the walls were broken people were, our people in our valley people your neighbors are living with broken walls in their life they may be safe with the house that they have but their hearts are broken but you have the solution says their gates were broken. What was so significant about the gates being burned? Well, the gates are the main entrance. And how many people do you know that the main entrance to their heart is burned down in any kind of lie or any kind of story to get to them? My wife and I were talking to a mom yesterday. And her daughter, she was raised in the church. She's going to university now. And she says, my daughter says she doesn't think she believes in Jesus anymore. The gates have been burned down. My wife is a dental hygienist, and she tells me, she goes, Jeremiah, I have so many young people that come into my chairs, young college and, and high school students that sit there, she goes, and they have no hope in their eyes. No hope in their eyes. Who are you What breaks your heart? What breaks my heart is that I live in a city just like is talking about. That's what breaks my heart. But it doesn't have to be that way. I believe that God is on the move. I believe that our God is a big God. Nehemiah built those walls in 52 days. I believe God can do something in our church. I believe God can bring a revival that we've never seen in America before. I believe God can do a change that is just the beginning. It could just be the beginning. Imagine if the spark started here. Imagine if we were part of it. So what does Nehemiah do? He says his heart broke and he prayed. Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 5 through 11 says this, I said, I beseech, I beg, I plead of you. That's the word, but the word beseech? We don't use that word anymore, but that's, that's the word. It's this idea of begging and pleading with every bit of your heart, this broken heart. Oh Lord, I beseech you. God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant in loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ears now be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered we're in the most remote parts of the heavens I will gather them to there I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants, your people, whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you. May your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant you and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer of the king. So what does Nehemiah do? He starts with praise. He praises God for who he is and what God has done. That's what he does. He starts with praise. He praises them. He says, God, I know you're bigger than the situation. God, I know you're bigger than this problem. God, I know you're bigger. God, I know I'm not in Jerusalem right now, but you're bigger than this, God. So I praise you. And then he remembers. He he remembers God and who God is and the promises that God says he's going to keep. And then he asks God. He says, God, please listen. God, listen to my heart. Listen to what's going on. God, listen to these prayers. And then he repents. He says, God, and I'm sorry. This is a good outcome for us. I think it's behind. Then he repents, he says, God, I'm sorry. I realize who I am and what I've done. He didn't say, God, I'm so sorry for those people. I know they did evil things. God, they're bad. He says, God, I know they did, but I did too. God, I heal my heart. And he reminds God, he says, God, you promised that if we return to you, that you would be our God. You promised God. And then he asks God again. He says, God, I ask you, I praise you. You are the good and all-powerful God. Please grant me favor." January of 2015 I was reading through this book of Nehemiah. And I came to verse 9. Nehemiah 1.9. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them. Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remotest parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. God said, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And I'm not saying God like, spoke like this audible. I'm sitting, I know where I was. I was sitting in my kitchen. I was sitting at the kitchen table. not I was like, Jeremiah. It was just like this moment as I'm reading. You know, The more you read of God's word and the more you allow God's word just to be something that is impacting your mind and impacting your heart, the more God can speak to you. I heard one of my Bible college professors said, the, the, the more of God's word you store on your heart, the larger the vocabulary God can use with you. chapter 1, I come to verse 9. God says, Jeremiah, if you return to me, not that I have walked far, not that I was in sin, but God said, Jeremiah, do I have your heart? Do I have all of your heart? Do I have every bit of your heart? Because I can't do anything until I know I have all your heart. He says, Jeremiah, if you return to me and do my commandments and keep them, he goes, I will gather those who have been scattered to a place that I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. He goes, Jeremiah, if I have your heart, then the church, that the dream, the church that I put in your heart will be a place that I can gather the scattered. Because we live in a city of so many scattered hearts, don't we? So many broken people. We live in a city of so many people that don't know what they need, but they we know that they need Jesus. We live in that city, a broken city. God says Jeremiah, if I have your heart, City will be a place where I will gather the scattered. Here's the one thing I ask, here's the one thing I command. It has to be a place that my name dwells. It has to be a place that it's my name that's made famous, not you. It has to be a pla- place, Jeremiah, that it's, it's not about you or anything you do or all that. It has to be a place where my name dwells and my name is made famous. That's my home, Jeremiah. That's the one requirement I ask. It's about me, not about you. Are you ready? I said, yeah. Less than a month later, I resigned from the job where I was a pa- one of the pastors at a church. I said, okay, God, I'm ready to do this. What does it look like? He goes, why don't I get a war construction? Go be a cupbearer to the king. So so what I did. You see, I believe God is on the move. I believe he's doing something. Over the past four weeks, like, like Katie said, over the past four weeks, we saw over 20 people make decisions for Jesus. people say, you know what, I'm done living the life that I'm living. I want to start following Jesus with my heart. We saw that over the past four weeks through the book of of, of Jonah. We saw God move. And the next step for those people, so if you are any of those people and you've never been baptized, if you've never taken that step and been baptized, that's your next step of obedience. That's what God is asking you to do. That's what you are called to do next. If you call Jesus Lord, if you say, you know what, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've never been baptized, I'm going to tell you right now, you're living in disobedience. You're living in a place that you shouldn't be. God is saying your next step with me is to obey me and to take that step into baptism. So if you have never been baptized, take that step. It's not scary. It's actually an amazing thing. Do that. It's your first step of obedience. Here's what I'm asking of you guys as we look at this. As we look to the next few weeks of, of Nehemiah, what is it that God has called us to do as City View Church? I've asked my board. I asked them about a month ago. Hey, will you guys pray? Take Wednesdays and pray. Pray that God would give us wisdom. And then a few weeks later, I went to the leadership team and said, Hey, I asked that you guys pray. Take, take, take every Wednesday for the rest of this year and pray on Wednesdays. And so, and I adjusted that a little bit uh, last week. I said, Hey, you know, here's what we're going to do. On, on every Wednesday, from now on, at 109, 109 p.m. Because God, that verse, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 9, is my promise verse of what God says, Jeremiah, if City of you is a place where my name dwells, I'm gonna gather the scattered. I'm gonna gather the broken, the hurting, the lost, and the mourning. I'm gonna gather the scattered to a place where I am made famous. And that's my promise verse. So here's what I'm asking of you guys. Here's how you can pray with us. Here are, I don't know how many prayer One, One, two, three. Six preference Number one That each of us would fully surrender our hearts to God So as you are praying at 109 God I pray that my heart is yours God I pray that my heart is yours Number two That we pray for revival in our city That we pray that God would move Number three That we pray for those people in in the circles around us That don't know Jesus That we would invite them to city That we'd invite them to church Those people because there are probably people in your life that are just waiting for an invite. Number four, that we pray for wisdom. Wisdom as we seek the Lord's will. Number five, I'm not going to say numbers anymore because I'm going be off. That God would provide financially for City View. The final one. That God would guide us to the right building for City View. So here's what I ask I ask that you take a picture of this, get your phones out, take a picture. If you have the U Version Bible app, all those notes are right there right now. I ask that every Wednesday, here's what I'm doing, every Wednesday, I fast breakfast and lunch on Wednesdays. That's just what I'm doing. I'm fasting breakfast and lunch and I set an alarm. Not a calendar alarm, but a repeating an alarm. That every day, no matter if I'm in a meeting, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm in the middle of a counseling or whatever, my phone is gonna go off at 109. And if somebody says, What's that? I'm gonna say, it's reminding me to pray for church. It's so my to pray for God to move. So that's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking that you take a picture of this and that you pray these things. Because here's what it's going to do. It's going to change our hearts and it's going to move God's. I don't know what God has planned, but here's what I do know. I know that when Nehemiah started praying, God started moving. So Nehemiah chapter 2, we see that Nehemiah, as he was praying, and there's a few months have gone by, and and Nehemiah didn't just go, my my counselor told me this week, he goes, Jeremiah, you are a compulsive person. Because once God puts something on my heart, I'm immediately on it. That's just what I do. I know I want to do this. I want to get it. I'm going to go do it now. That's what I do. It's not a good thing. It's a bad character trait that I'm trying to work on. So he said, Jeremiah, you just need to pause and let it simmer. So that's what Nehemiah did. At the end of verse 11, Nehemiah led it said Okay, God, what are you going to do? One day he walked in the presence of the king, Nehemiah chapter 1, and it came about in the month of Nisan. A few months later, like three months later, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, because that was Nehemiah's job. You might think, but God, what significance do I have in your kingdom? You might just be a cupbearer to the king. But God moves through cupbearers too. He says, and I took the wine and I gave it to the king. And now I had not been sad in the presence of the king. So the king said to me, why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lie desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? And the king said to me, what do you want? You see, I want to be ready so that when somebody says, Jeremiah, what do you want? I want to say, I want to this but Nehemiah didn't know what he wanted right away he just prayed he prayed for once and that's what I'm asking you for the next three months for the next 90 days that we pray as a church that we pray that we commit to Wednesdays 109 p.m. I'm not asking you 109 a.m. that would be mean of me 1.09 1.09 p.m. That when that alarm goes off in your meeting, that when that alarm goes off in your Starbucks, that when that alarm goes off at school and your teacher says, why? And you say, teacher, because I'm praying. Look at my alarm. It says, pray for City View. That's what I'm doing. So Nehemiah was ready. And he says, this is in that moment. it says, so I prayed. So I prayed. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Jerusalem. Send me to Judah. And the king says, okay, how long are you going to be gone? He says, I'm going to be gone for this amount of time. And the king says, okay. And Nehemiah says, but king, I've got one more big ask. What's that? I ask that you pay for it. King, I ask that you give me a letter to all, all to your, your forest people, to the people that own all the rocks, all the people. I ask that you pay for it, King, and that they give me everything to rebuild my city. And he says, okay, you got it. So we're asking God, God, you're our king. You got to move. God, you love this city and you love our neighbors more than we do. So God, you got to move. God, you love the people around us and you you hate that it's broken. So God, you got to move. So that's what I believe. I believe right now that in our city that God is on the move. And I would love, I, I, I pray, I, I, I beseech you, God, and I beg of you, I plead of you, God, that we might see a revival that has never been seen in Phoenix, Arizona. But God, start that revival in us. So that is my ask. That is my ask of you that we step in faith, we say, okay, God, what is next? And God says, just pray. Next week, we will continue. Nehemiah, and we'll see what's next for us. God, I thank you. I thank you and I praise you, God. I ask that you would move in our hearts first. God, that you might move in our city. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to CityViewPHX.com.